Hello everyone and welcome to Pocket Thoughts. On today's episode, we are talking about managing risk. We start off with what we think is the biggest risk we can see when it comes to jumping into entrepreneurship and then ask ourselves if those risks we brought up are the reasons we don't quit our jobs now and make the jump. We then get into the shameless plug of our company, Educating Entrepreneurs, and how the design sprint really helps out when it comes to managing the risk of your future company. After that, we touch a little on a previous podcast about getting into entrepreneurship with a partner and not doing it alone. And finally, we let you guys know what things you need to do this week to manage risk. Please let us know if our advice worked for you or if you have any other suggestions we can share and try ourselves. Thank you as always for listening and enjoy your week. Today, we are going to be talking about managing risk. Now, if you've been listening to our previous shows, we also talked about risk in a way of jumping into entrepreneurship. So, might touch a little on that, might not. But, nonetheless, Joey, let's hear what you have to say. What is up? Um, Yeah, so today's topic is about managing risk. Um, one way to kick that off, and, and we'll get to the managing part, but I think one good way to, to kind of kick that off is for kind of all of us to go around and uh, just kind of say what we think is the biggest risk in entrepreneurship and why. If you had to pick one, what do you think it would be and why? Oh, and just before we move forward, everyone, sorry for the random sounds coming from Joey and my end. We are sitting outside because doing a reno on one of our properties and I'm way too dirty to be inside. So we apologize for the sound of garbages and cars and whatever else. Hate the sound of garbage. Also, sorry on my end if you hear sirens and youths uh, skateboarding outside of our apartment. So anyways, biggest risk I think is uh, failing. I think that if I were to go dive deeper into entrepreneurship and I failed, I would just give up completely because I feel like I would get to the point where I would put so much into it. And if I lost even a little bit, I would just think I was a huge failure and I would go back to the uh, corporate life or something like that. Um, I can go next. Um, So when when we're thinking about all these risks, I I mean, obviously there is just laundry list of risks when you jump into entrepreneurship. in my opinion, I think one of the biggest risks is the the relationship that you have with your friends, family, um, and I don't know, maybe people you go into business with. Let's say you go into business with your friends or family. That can have a huge just strain on your relationship with the whole business aspect um, coming together. Um, maybe you guys have differing views on on how you should run the business, and that con- and that conflicts with your personal relationships, other ways that it can affect relationships between friends and family um, is if they're not part of the business, however, you're spending a lot, a lot more time 
on the business and maybe not enough time with them. Maybe you're removing yourself, not purposely, but because you're so committed to the business that your relationships get um, hurt because you're not spending time with your friends or you're not getting home in time enough to have dinner with your family or just spend a, a night with your family or anything like that. So um, in my opinion, I think relationships are um, kind of the biggest risk. I really like the relationship one. I haven't really thought about how huge of a risk that is and what you're risking when you jump into entrepreneurship. Because it really is true. You do risk every tie that you have to the normal world. If you're really going all in, you kind of lose that tie to society. My greatest risk, I think, when it comes to jumping into entrepreneurship is not allowing yourself to have a large enough cushion before jumping in. I think a lot of people jump into entrepreneurship and they only give themselves a month or two months to survive when realistically it takes six to 12 to two years. And when I say cushion, I mean not only a cushion in the form of finances, but I also mean a cushion when it comes to time. Like how much time do you cushion in your life to start this thing? Because, you know, I'll use me for a personal example. I, I created a little baby nest egg when I graduated from college. And if I wouldn't have had that nest egg, if I wouldn't have had this belief in my mind that it was going to take two to three years, I would have been screwed a year ago because I'm two years in without really a solid paycheck. And I also had that mindset of it is going to take two to three years. So I had that cushion where every month that I was set back, my mindset was still like, this is how long it's going to take anyways. So I think the biggest risk is not having the cushion because when you don't have the cushion, it does put a huge strain on those relationships. It puts a huge strain on yourself and it just allows you to fail much more quickly, I believe, and kind of quit based off of what Brandon was saying. Right, you're risking your success almost. Mine, yeah. I think mine touches on, in some aspects, on kind of what everyone else has said to this point. The, ri the biggest risk presented to me is, I don't know the best way to word this, but I, I'll say lifestyle risk. So that goes from everything from how much time you have available in the day to like the funds you have available and what you can spend money on. Um, and I think, I think people aren't ready, like what Bobby was saying with like a, a financial uh, runway or a cushion that you have. I think also a lot of people aren't ready for like the lifestyle change that comes with entrepreneurship. Like what everybody has been saying, it can, it can drain your time. It can, t it can drain your resources. Like there's a chance you fail and there's not really a fallback option. Like there might be in a, in a more corporate setting. Um, and I think people aren't ready for that, that, that drastic lifestyle change that they might have to make in order to make things work. Bobby, I know, I know you've brought this up before and we've talked about this before, but like you'd be, you'd be willing to sell everything and, and just get by on nothing, you know, not, not worry about spending money or anything like that. And I don't think other people are like that. People don't want to give away like the luxuries of like having like the sexy apartment and like the, the nice gym membership and the cool clothes and like going out to bars. So like that alone, like that lifestyle risk that, if it doesn't go well, you might have to give up some of those things. I, I think is, uh, is, a, is a big risk that a lot of people aren't willing to take. I think we touch on it every single podcast. When it comes to what Brady just brought up, risking, well, really all of us, relationships, time, money. We can go with failure. That's a risk. You um, can only do it if you're passionate about it. And I think like you can easily or I can easily give up 
the car or the house or whatever else because the life of entrepreneurship is my favorite thing to do. I'm legitimately giving up things that I don't like as much to do more of the things I like most. So I think that's what will enable you to do these things in entrepreneurship. And I think you really have to think about it in that mindset because there is a realistic chance that you will have to give up a lot if you want to keep moving forward. Right? And the only way you're going to keep doing that is if you legitimately love it more than the things you're giving up. So I would just say that's really it. The passion side of things is kind of a game changer when it comes to risk. When we talk about risk in general, all those things that you guys just mentioned, are those the reasons why you don't currently jump into entrepreneurship like 50, 60, 80 hours a week? Or do you guys personally have a different risk in your mind that holds you back? Like, is there something else? Or would you even say that it's categorized under risk? I mean, it's, it's a multitude of things. One is, is the relationships. I think another one that could be not overlooked, but not emphasized enough, um, especially if you went into entrepreneurship immediately, like after college, let's say, is just a steady paycheck. Um, once you're used to a steady paycheck and you cut that off, I haven't had that happen yet, but um, I would feel that that would be kind of a, a life-changing experience. And it might be for the good. Maybe it's one of those kind of kick your butt into gear now. Um, you don't have a steady paycheck, so it's kind of turn it 180 and kind of figure it out from there. But I would say a combination of the relationships, the financial aspect of a steady paycheck, really finding something that you want to do, that you're passionate about, that can also just simply cover, I don't want to say this wrong, but just something passionate that doesn't even have to be extremely profitable, just something that'll cover expenses for, I don't know, for the most part. Um, if I found something that I was extremely passionate about um, and that I love to do, I would I would drop what I'm doing probably. Uh, mine more than anything, I think, is like the opportunity cost to go into it. So I think I'm a little bit different position than anybody else here in the fact that I, I like one left for grad school and then two moved after that out to DC. Um, so I think if I went back into a startup, like to me, there was an opportunity cost one to go into like the corporate setting. And I, I think there's like value in that. Um, and there's like stuff to be learned, but I think like leaving after a year would be like a pretty heavy opportunity cost one, like moving back home and like just that, that move and the expenses correlated with that. Um, as well as just like the time sunk into what I've done here. I think, I think for me, it's more of like a timing thing of when is the right time. And I know Bobby, we've talked about finding, this. I think it's uh, finding that right time to, to jump because I, Joey, you've mentioned it and, and Brandon, you've mentioned it too, but every, everybody has financials come into play, like knowing out what else you're giving up. Like, obviously there's a steady paycheck for me at this point, it's not the steady paycheck, but it is like opportunity costs of like, okay, at this point, if I moved like 12 months ago ish and had like X amount of money to, to go through that and move and like make that transition. I'm going to have to do that going back too. So I want to make up like some of those, those like sunk costs. Now you could like make the argument that I could start, like start something here, but i um, definitely in the same boat as you, Joey. And the fact of like, I don't have something that I would like jump on and sink in 60, 80 hours a week right now. Um, and if I did, I think that changes the conversation, but I just, I don't have that right now. I guess I'll change mine to uh, time since failure just 
doesn't work in this sense. But um, I think time would be a huge thing right now just because I see most of the things that Bobby does when he is sharing what he is doing with us on his Instagram or whatever. Um, I just think that taking time away from, I guess, seeing friends and being social is a huge thing that I like to have fun with. And so I think just taking time away from that, I think, would kind of have an effect on me where I would feel like I would be missing out on things. And I think that's just would something I'd have to get used to. It would be mostly where, depending on kind of what you guys are saying, depending on if you actually did have something that you jump into right now, I think you could make time because Bobby does make time to at least try to see us and hang out with us and go on trips and stuff like that. So it's putting in the amount of time that you can free up eventually in the future where you're putting in all this work right away and then giving yourself more time in the end to spend with people that you care and love. Is that just a passion thing though? Or is that a, I don't want to give up the bars on Friday and Saturday nights. And I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying like, I think that is the case for a lot of people. So, well, I mean, yeah, I think that's something I should do in general, Um, but no, I think it is, it does have to do with that where you kind of have to realize what you're putting your time into and be like, is this actually worth it? Is going out to the bar right now something that I need to be doing every single weekend or doing whatever else there is that people spend way too much time on that isn't really necessary that you can say, okay, maybe I could cut this down to once or twice a month or whatever it may be where you can spend that time focusing on things that can get you ahead in life and free up time in the future where you can go to have fun like that. That does make me think of another risk just based off of what you're saying a risk that people maybe don't consciously say they feel but they just subconsciously feel it is the idea of you can risk comfort day after day and you still might not succeed i think very few people have the confidence to say that i'm gonna gonna just start doing things that are uncomfortable for me for the next four years without knowing how the end result will be. I think it's a whole lot easier to put in the time corporate wise and climb the ladder and kind of have an idea of where your trajectory will go, right? That's still a risk for me in my mind. Because if you think about like the aspect of time and money, like Joey brought up, it's just nerve wracking not having a paycheck. The amount of times I lay there in bed until the middle of the night thinking, how many more months will we survive doing this without making something work? Like it's stressful. And I do it every day knowing that it might still fail. So I think like that's a pretty huge, enormous risk just in itself, not knowing whether you can create your own success or failure. And I think, I don't know, before Brady brings up his point, cause I, I just want to hear his point on what he was thinking when we, brought up risk because he texts back saying that we could go in multiple directions but before we do that based off of the risks that we just brought up do you guys have ways to manage that risk like do you believe there's a way to manage each of our little risks that we just talked about because i guess if i was to start when i think about managing a cushion and i think brady and i just talked about this this week There are ways to do it where, I mean, you just sit and put 10 or 20% of your paycheck away every single week. 
and slowly build up this bank or this nest egg where it allows you to leave your job for 12 months, 24 months, and you know exactly how much you need to live the lifestyle you want to live, and then you have those two years to just go all in. And I know, Brady, you brought up that you're pretty much just putting money away right now so you can come back home at some point and jump all into something you're passionate about. And that's going to make your journey into entrepreneurship a whole lot better than a lot of other people that kind of back right in. Because you're planning your start years in advance, which is huge. So I think that's a way you would definitely manage my biggest risk of like the cushion. And I know I, I had to work all through college to create that cushion. So I would say, yeah, definitely do a percentage. Definitely. We've said it in earlier podcasts, but definitely figure out like your cost to live everything from utilities to rent to car payments, whatever it is. And then make sure you give yourself that leeway of a year to two years. And once you have that in your account, then jump in. Like if you really, really feel that pull to jump in, wait until you have that cushion and then do it. And that's a huge way to manage that risk. So as a reminder, my greatest risk was relationships, family and friends. And I kind of went two different directions there. One, maybe if you're working family or friends and the other direction was just spending time with them and, and um, really valuing those friendships and relationships and the time that you have with them. I would say one way of mitigation on the, on the first type of risk um, would be, and this is a perfect example of we've talked about, we've talked about before, sorry I didn't know we were by an airport, we've talked about this before, but with a company that we all used to have a little bit of ownership in, Three Timbers, I hope you can hear all this. We didn't really set up any, I don't know if you want to call them like contracts in the beginning or any any ground rules right away for um, kind of, I don't know, percentage of ownership or who was um, kind of going to do what and our different roles in the whole company. They kind of just a little bit formed, I would say, without us saying anything and gotten too formal. And then um, we didn't have an idea of where we wanted to go with the company prior to us just jumping in. And so a way of, of mitigating kind of straining relationships while working with family and friends is is setting these things, setting these boundaries up right away. Um, kind of setting up these, I don't know if you want to do contracts or um, just maybe agreements of what people's roles are, where you're going to go with the company. And then once you get farther in, you're not going to be like, well, what the heck? Why are we doing this? Um, you're all going to have the same idea of where you want to go. So there, you won't have those blow-ups like we did. And if I could just butt in another thing where I think it comes to managing risk of relationships, you're also managing, you need to manage the risk that you have with just like personal relationships outside of business, like family and friends. I was getting there. That was my second type. Oh, I didn't know you were going. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Well, if I don't cover it, yeah, first thing, I'm going to steal your idea here quick. And, uh, yeah, let me butt in and just steal what you're going to say. Sorry, Joy. I, I got distracted. Okay, well, so it's my, my second one is managing relationships that are that of people that you're not working with, with family and friends. Is that where you're going to cover? Or no? Yeah, cover it first. Okay. Well, Sorry. I'll cover some of it, and then you can get it right and actually cover the correct stuff. So one way I would say of mitigating this, and I'm sure there's numerous ways of doing of of mitigating the risk of 
losing friends, losing relationships with family members because maybe you're spending too much time on your uh, entrepreneurial endeavor or whatever it may be um, is really, really time blocking. Um, and I think that's really important to have a, have a time block. I know one of our colleagues does this at uh, a certain time on, let's say, Friday or Saturday. Later in the day, he will be like, all right, I'm done. I need to go socialize or else I will not be social at all. I will just continue to work and I won't make my relationships better. I won't find a girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it may be, if you don't have one already. And it's just like, you really need to time block and, and set that time aside so you are devoted to strengthening those relationships. And I agree, the time blocking is huge. And if you don't have the ability to time block, um, sometimes when you're in the world of entrepreneurship, you really can't control your hours. Like you'll try to take a day off and then something comes up and you're just screwing the people that you were supposed to meet with. I think the biggest thing is when it comes to relationships with family and friends, just make sure when you spend time with them, you're really focused and dedicating that time to them. If you're going to sit down and spend time with your wife, don't sit down and watch TV with your wife because then it feels like you didn't really do much together. Every single time you have an hour, go do something unique. Like go for a walk, go to the zoo, do something. And like, if you see your friends, I mean, this is how I do it with you guys even, like we plan a day. And like, we plan on doing multiple things during that day. And we basically, it feels like, at least for me, it feels like a mini vacation for me. I just think like dedicating your full energy to those people when you spend that time with them will change the amount of time you have to give people. When you give someone a true hour where you're not looking at your phone, all of a sudden that hour feels like a whole lot more than an hour or two or three or eight hours that people are just kind of doing their own thing. So once you dedicate that time, your relationships will be a whole lot better with a whole lot less effort, I guess. I want to add to what Bobby said too, because I think that's a great point. I agree with your point about doing something unique, like getting out, going for a walk, going and actually doing something rather than just like sitting watching TV. And you touched on it at the yeah. very end of yours, but I want to emphasize what you're saying is like, don't take that time and like, oh, I have, an, I have two hours with, with friends or with your wife or with family and spend every three minutes checking your phone, being on your email. Like that's not disconnecting. That's not being like present with whoever you are. So that, that's not taking that real break. So I, I, I know it from like, it might be way different with, with um, other people's roles or jobs, but at our company, it's like a huge thing of just like, oh, I can check my email at any time because like people can telework. So at all times, people are kind of like tethered to their phone. They're like, oh, I'll go golf or go get a drink or go do whatever. But like every five minutes, someone's on their phone responding to an email, doing something else. And I think it's important to emphasize that point of like you need to you need to disconnect because like getting away while still like doing that work is like still work time. It's not, it's not actually getting away and being present with the people that you want to be present with. Yeah. And I think as far as mine goes with time, I mean, time blocking is a huge thing. I don't know why I didn't even think about that part. I mean, mine um, basically goes along with time blocking is just, you know, when you're going to be doing things. So plan ahead and basically just set time aside where you know that you're going to be able to hang out with friends or as Joey was saying, his coworkers basically like, I have to leave now or else I'm not going to be able to focus on anything else or develop these relationships. So I think that's a huge thing to do is kind of have a, have a cutoff time and 
just say, all right, I'm done now. I'm going to go work or you're with your friends and just do it that way. Cause I think that is, that's an awesome way to do it. I think lifestyle, like it's just getting out of your comfort zone and getting used to like understanding what you can give up um, during your lifestyle, like in, in, in the life that you live or the life that you want to live. I think it's prioritizing what you want and what you don't want. It's figuring out like what you're willing to give up because lifestyle is like a huge portion of, I, I don't really know how to mitigate that if people aren't willing to take that, but. Brady, what was the other direction that you were thinking about when it comes to risk? I think if you figure out how to mitigate risk in your own life, then you need to figure out how to mitigate risk within your company and your startup. And I think that's what most entrepreneurs do really well out of the gate, right? I mean, your ability to mitigate risk day one will allow your company to survive so much longer than the average company. When mitigating the risk of your company, and I think we've already touched on it many times, I cannot hammer home with the design sprint any more than what I already do because legitimately the idea of forcing yourself to go out and test your concept over and over with very little put into it and knowing if you have a valid concept to move forward with, that mitigates almost all of your risk. If you can walk away after the first month and a half and know that you already have a customer base for your product and you already know exactly how you're gonna design that product for your customer base, you've eliminated 90% of the risk. And yeah, after that, you're gonna have to figure out how to learn how to do entrepreneurship. And the idea is not the huge part of running a business, but your ability to know what you're moving forward with will change the game. Because a lot of us entrepreneurs sit there for a year, two years, trying to force a concept that hasn't even been validated. And it's just because that's our natural optimism in entrepreneurship. We're super optimistic. We think that we have the same problem or we think our problem is the same as everyone else's and we think we have the best solution to that problem. Without testing it, we just move to market. And that just doesn't work. So when it comes to being a startup, before even creating your corporation, just test, 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 and really prove that your concept is worth moving forward with. I think that's just the biggest thing for me. Yeah, a few things that I uh, I was thinking about when we were kind of going into this was just thinking ahead and trying to identify those possible risks that you're going to have and think of the worst case scenario um, and just try to maybe have some sort of plan going into it where you're like, all right, if this happens, we can do this. I mean, it's going to, it'll change either way, but just having something in the back of your head where you are ready and it's going to take up less time in the future for when you do have that risk and you need to clean it up to not that risk, but that issue that could arise. Um, and then another thing that I was thinking about on um, trying to mitigate risk is spreading out the work a little bit more. Um, not just putting it on one person and, and just spreading it out where kind of what we talked about before is being self-aware and giving it to the people that the appropriate work to the appropriate people. Um, that's involves other people stepping up and knowing what they want to do. Um, just so kind of the same example we've been giving for this is me basically saying, yeah, I'll do blogs and then could have avoided probably a couple weeks wasted where I tried to do it or just didn't really do anything at all. And that could have been avoided where we had a plan right away and I could have stepped up and said, you know, I'm, 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not good at that. Let's give it to someone that has, is more skilled in that. I think you do. I think you do risk time just to say, like, go off what you're saying. Like, I, I think you do risk, like, the time lost at the start by, like, not figuring it out. But I also don't think that's, like, a huge risk or loss because I think there is utility in figuring out, like, what you're good at. And half of that is through actually practicing it. And, like, maybe, like, blogs wasn't your thing or whatever. But, like, I think it's worth testing it for a week or two weeks or a month. Um, I don't think that puts you too far behind schedule, especially when you're starting something new, figuring out kind of like what your role is, what your niche is. And, you know, as you're down the line and, and you, you're able to refine that more, I think that's probably the case, but where you should go in knowing roles. But I, I don't think that's a huge waste of time. My risk mitigation was exactly what Bobby's was. Um, I think so much, so much, yeah, 90, 95% of risk can be taken out if you just get in front of customers, if you can be hand, like as close as possible and create those relationships with your customers, then you're taking out the risk of, oh, I'm gonna go invest all this money and all this time in this in this thing that I don't know it works. Like once you can validate your product, you can validate your market, you can validate your customer base, um, and you already have those people to rely on, then you eliminate that risk because then you can go out and like build actual, not, not prototypes, but actual products, actual services and start delivering on that. And I think that's so much of what, people see as risk in entrepreneurship is like, oh, maybe the market won't adopt it. Oh, maybe people won't like it. Or this like sale price is too high. Or I don't know like what exactly they want. If you get in front of customers and go test those, all those risks are negated. You know what people want, what they don't want. You're not going to sink a bunch of money into products that people don't want. You already have a customer base, so you don't have to go out and find those people. Um, so, so my big thing was exactly along the lines of what Bobby was saying. That was, that was my big point too is, like if you can get out and obviously it's it gets most people like very uncomfortable to sit in front of people and say like oh look at this and then tell me what what i'm doing wrong or why you don't like it nobody likes to hear that kind of feedback but ultimately if you want to make a good product or a good service that's what you're going to have to do so getting out of that comfort zone and getting in front of customers mitigates a lot of that risk um, another risk i would say you know after determining that you have a customer base for um, your idea, I would say, staying on a certain path, like having a direction of where you're going to go and next steps of what you're going to do. The risk of not having that direction is very dangerous because um, I feel like you could, you have this idea and you now have a customer base, um, but you don't know your next steps or directions that you're going to do. So you're kind of just like going with it and like seeing what progress you can make. Um, you want to have like definite Kind of direction and um, steps on what's going to be next for you. And your I think another thing is, or really not another thing, if we're really talking about just startups, period, then I think if you develop those few concepts, you're pretty much good to go. Like if you develop them and add them to your life as staples to how you start your company, lucky you, because most people wish they'd learn that 10, 20, 30 years into entrepreneurship. But if we're still talking about startups, another way to really mitigate your risk when it comes to successfully building a company is, we kind of talked about this maybe last week, finding someone to add to your team or a partner that will really take your company to the next level. Because it is risky to do it alone. It is risky to develop a mindset or really it's risky to have the confidence that you can keep pushing yourself to that next level day after day without anyone being by your side. That's super risky. It's also super risky to assume that you know how to build a startup by yourself. 
to assume that you have the attributes to successfully bring your company to the next level and have those attributes that will balance both sides of a company. You need to understand that there is more risk to starting a startup than just time and money and proof of concept. There's motivation. There's really just knowledge and skill. And you dramatically change your ability or your chances of succeeding in eliminating that risk with a partner. It makes you twice as good, especially if you find a good person. You know, I don't know what you guys think, but I would almost say like the last 10 minutes or so of this podcast would actually be, I don't know, maybe we already went into how we believe everyone could help manage their risk this week. I think each of us should give advice on what tips people who actually feel like they want to jump into entrepreneurship, what tips they can apply to their life in these seven days to start mitigating their risks to jumping into entrepreneurship. Like what are the things they can set up? What is the structure? Whatever it might be. I'd like each of us to really go into detail on something so people can just listen to this thing and just do it. Like just take a couple actionable steps and just do it. I think that's a great point. I think one side of that is the behavioral side. And I think the other side is like the financial, like actual risk side. So I think those are two like vastly different things when we're talking about this. And I guess we could, we could give advice on, on both of those. But yeah, do one of both. Uh, what did you say? Do one of both. Do one of both. Okay. So if, if I was doing one of both, my, my first one would be what uh, Bobby brought up earlier is creating that nest egg, like creating whatever, whatever it is, um, whether it's like you working on the side, working another role, like, um, but find like setting aside that runway so that you are not running out of funds like that. And that doesn't mean like, Oh, now I have a, like a hundred thousand dollars to go burn on like prototypes and just start like throwing them at whoever and seeing if they work. Like that means I have a hundred thousand dollars to like food on the table for my family or rent or housing. Like that doesn't mean to use that money and just like blow cash. Um, it means to use it wisely, but giving yourself that room to say like, I can live for 12 months without a paycheck and be just fine. Um, so whatever it is that you have to start creating that nest egg, like that's my financial oh. one, whether you're, whether you're in college, whether you already have a job, um, wherever you are in life, like I think there's different ways to do that. Um, but setting aside that nest egg is a, a huge one. And then on the behavioral side for me, I think it's being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because like everything in entrepreneurship that you do is uncomfortable, like getting in front of, getting in front of customers, having people tell, you no, like not having a paycheck developing things without any like structure. I think that's all super uncomfortable thing. There are very few people that that comes naturally to. So mine would be start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, whether that's like going out and, and talking to people that, that you're not used to talking to or um, like trying something new, like getting out and seeing if you can live a week on, um, give yourself a budget, like X number of dollars a day um, and see what it's really like, like test those waters. Like, can I go up and talk to 20, like 20 clients and get in or customers and get feedback? Like some people are not okay doing that. So you have to get comfortable doing that. So my biggest risk mitigation would be go out and test those things. Like, Oh, I'm going to need to live on $40 a day. If I want to make this work, if I have like a runway of six months, okay, well go test that for three or four days or a week and see if you can actually do that. Cause for some people it's just truthfully unrealistic with how they live their lives and they don't want to give up those things. So, um, finding ways to make yourself uncomfortable and then getting comfortable with those situations. That'd be my behavioral one. Um, because I think that's 
extremely important for when you start. Because I think a lot of people start that journey whenever they start their startup. And that, I, to me, in my mind, that's too late. Because then you have like a, a three-month or a six-month window of you're still trying to figure out how to, how to live within your means or make those things work. And I think that's too late because then you're, you're already um, taking steps in the wrong direction once you start. So if you can test that beforehand, then that's good. I think mine would be uh, just testing out time blocks. I think that is something it would be a good habit to get into, especially just trying it for a week. Um, I think that especially just writing it down, writing it down is probably the biggest step and actually just going for it. Try to set up your week in a way where it's going to be challenging for you, where it's not going to be normal, where you're going to have to say, all right, at this time, I'm going to go start working on this. Maybe it's getting started or thinking of ideas that what you want to do to start your own company or something like that. Um, and just saying, all right, from this time to this time, I'm going to put my phone down and I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm not going to look at it. And I'm just going to just go all in and focus. And I think trying that, because I've done that at work where I just put my phone away, I put it under my desk or something. And I think it makes a huge difference because you actually focus and you're not thinking about like, oh, what's going on with everyone? You're thinking about what's in front of you right then and there. And I think that made a huge difference for me. And I kind of got off it a little bit where... I have to actually start doing that again. So that's on me. I'm going to try that again this week. And uh, especially just with doing like social media posts and stuff. And I've gotten behind on that. And I think it's just putting my phone away and uh, and just going for it. Um, but yeah, just basically time block your week and stick to it and kind of write down your progress. Maybe write down how many times you did check your phone or how many times you did get distracted and try to improve on it each day. Mine goes along with creating that nest egg, but uh, maybe in a different way. Uh, Brady talked a lot about saving. Um, specifically, I think budgeting is a big thing. One awesome thing that people could easily do this week is start budgeting. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you can either use, there's templates out there that you can use. There's like mint you can use. Um, it's an app, um, or, I mean, plug, but I know Educating Entrepreneurs has a budgeting um, template that people can use as well. I think this week a great thing would, would be basically kind of just lay out your income, lay out your expenses, what fixed expenses are, variable expenses are, and just kind of see um, where you could be saving money. I mean, one good practice is to... Honestly, just look look through your credit card or bank statements, whichever you use to kind of, I don't know, spend all your money, and look um, through those statements for a month. And just like, it's kind of eye-opening, actually, just to go through each purchase and be like, okay, what, what was this again? Why did I need to buy that? Is that really a necessity? And even if it is a necessity, did I even really want that? Like, I could definitely just have cut that $40 out of my expenses easily by not buying that. And so... Um, a good practice, just run through maybe your, your bank statement or credit card statement for one month and just look at your purchases. It's, it's really eye-opening, um, especially when you're swiping a card, you're not really realizing how much money you're spending. So um, this can be um, kind of an awakening for people. This week, just straight up, go get mint. I'm not, I'm not going to say you should try anything else. Just this week, put mint on your phone, get the account, it's free. And take the time, like Joey said, go back three months. Let's just start there. Go back three months and look at your average expenses in each of the categories. Whether I just make categories like utilities, rent, food, home supplies, 
all these simple things, all right? And average that out and make it a part of your budget and see how you do every month. Go beyond that budget. Add a budget line where you put $10 away a day. I know that's a crazy amount for some people, but just put $10 away a day for this one week. Seven days, 70 bucks. Just put it away so you can start your journey of entrepreneurship. And then make sure the biggest thing is, after you've done this, spend the last part of your week really deciding how long you need to go, how long you need to survive without a paycheck to jump into entrepreneurship, figure out how long you can go without a paycheck. I said that wrong. So decide how long you think it's gonna take to start your business, whether it's 12 months, 24 months, look at your average expenses and figure out how much money you need to save. And then really go into that goal setting. I think Joey brings up goal setting all the time, but bring up goal setting. I figure out your goals and really map it out so you can find out exactly how many months, how many years you need to work for you to quit and feel comfortable moving forward with a business. Those are things that should really only take you a couple of hours, but it can really change your life. Whether you jump into entrepreneurship or not, just figuring out your budget averages and starting to save for something that you genuinely are passionate about, it's just a game changer. It's gonna make you so much happier and it's gonna make you so much more successful.